So the Nuggets are down 3-1 again. I don't know who would have predicted that. No idea, dude. That's crazy. Welcome to the Putback Podcast. This is episode two. Thank you for coming back. If you did not watch the first one, please go do that. Or I guess listen. I don't know how you watch a podcast. But <laughs> I am your host, Big There's a 101, and I'm here with my co-host. Joe is my name. Joe, just Joe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> today we got some interesting things. We're going to talk about the Nuggets and Lakers, the Celtics and Heat, and just other things that we... A couple uh, other fun topics we have hidden for the moment. Might want to stick around for the fun topics later. Definitely. So let's get straight to it. Nuggets and Lakers. The Lakers are up 3-1, and we still don't give them the momentum in this series. You know, that dude, that, that game last night, that game four, the officiating was awful. Hard to watch. It, it was bad. And, you know, I, I'm, I don't know. Like, you know, I kind of go back and forth on, like, the whole ref thing. But, like, the thing with basketball, right, basketball is – more than I think any other sport, unless you want to, you know, maybe hockey in the same sense. But basketball is 100% a game of momentum. When, you know, when your guy gets fouled and they don't call it, or you, you give, like, your star player a petty foul that takes him out of the game, you know, that switches the momentum drastically. And basketball momentum matters so much. And, Definitely. you know, I, I, you know, I'm not really sure if I necessarily agree with, like, you know, the the refs lost you the game or whatever like you know i, I think that I, I feel like that kind of depends on certain things but um you know i'm not like hard leaning either way i you know i get it sometimes sometimes i don't but you know the refs can the refs can change the momentum of game so quickly and so drastically and i think we saw that a lot of times last night um and just a lot of bad calls being made but you know, one thing that we do have to talk about is Jamal Murray. Yeah. That man, he had a whole highlight reel worth of highlights last night, and he was just incredible. And he has been the entire playoffs. Going back to the refs thing, it was particularly the th- the fourth quarter for me. It was just it was like, awful. I am like cringing. I'm not a fan of either team, but. You are a LeBron after- fan. I'm a LeBron fan, but I'm not going to be hurt if the Lakers lose. Like, it doesn't matter to me. And a couple times he was getting some calls that I didn't agree with. Then he would just start to get these random phantom foul type calls. And it's just like, I don't know. If I'm a Nuggets fan, I'm like sick after this one. No, I'm livid after that. And, you know, the the one thing I don't even know, like, there was the one call with like 28 seconds left. It was like 112, 106, I think. Mm-hmm. When LeBron stepped under Jokic and they didn't even give him a foul at all, let alone a, a flagrant like they did to uh, Millsap, and you know, not that that necessarily would have changed the outcome of the game, but it's like you have to if you set the precedent that like you know they've been doing that the whole like last two years. You know, if you step under the guy, that's a flagrant foul. Right. But you know, even if it's a meaningless shot or you know you don't think it's it swings the game, you have to still call that call. Because then you're setting the precedent that that call applies to everyone but LeBron. And, you know, the officiating in the, the last couple of games, just the playoffs in general, right? Like, we had the one game that had Tony Brothers and Scott Foster both playing oh, yeah. the same game. Like, it, it's just a bad look for the NBA. And, you know, it, it's not good. You know, it's just it's just similar to, like, with the MLB. I know you're not a big MLB guy, but with, like, Angel Hernandez, who is the worst umpire the MLB has ever seen. And, you know, he sued 
the MLB because they didn't want him to ref or umpire playoff games, but he sued them for racial discrimination, and mm-hmm. they're kind of like screwed now. But you know, because they don't want him umpire because he's awful at his job, but they can't like get rid of him now. But you know, you can't stick you know like Scott Scott Foster and Tony Brothers on the same game. You can't you can't let those calls go with like you know stepping under the foot if you've been calling that for the last two years on every single person. And then LeBron doesn't get it at the end of a playoff game. Like it's ridiculous. One thing I will say about it is I heard this. I don't know if it's a rumor or just a proven fact that they kind of pinned a letter to the NBA complaining about the lack of foul calls. I didn't know that was really like a thing. I didn't know you could just tell somebody, hey, we're not happy with the officiating. And then the next game, everything's called. I don't really like that. No, I mean, like. I don't know, dude. Like, it's just, it's annoying. And, you know, like, last night, LeBron shot, you know, almost four times as many free throws last night than he shot in any other game this series. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not saying, like, you know, that he didn't earn some of those calls. Like, you know, he got hacked and whatever. But there were a couple where, you know, don't know if that's, like, necessarily a call. Like, you know, the... The refs kind of were getting their whistles a little a little wet, you know. It's like some, you know, and you know that happens for both teams. You know, there are some calls that should just be play ons, and you know, there are some that are stupid. But like the the refs kind of seem to be leaning one way. Yeah, it definitely looked like it was leaning towards the Lakers towards the end. One thing I wanted to say was shout out to Jamal Murray, shout out to Paul Millsap, Absolutely. shout out to Jeremy Grant. Jeremy I Grant mean, was phenomenal. I know that's your guy, but recently I didn't realize how much of a difference he makes just by being on the he court. He is fantastic, dude. Uh, I have been telling you since day one to hop on yeah. that Jeremy Grant hype train, man. He is fantastic. I love Jeremy Grant. Uh, just, you know, as a Syracuse fan, I love him. Loved him in Philly. Loved him in OKC. Loved him in Denver. And about Jabal Murray, I remember seeing something on NBA Twitter that I kind of laughed at. It was a tweet about yeah, Jamal Murray's doing this in the Western Conference Finals, but can he do it in the regular season? Mm-hmm. I have never in my life heard somebody say, can he do it in the regular season when referring to a postseason game? It's, yeah, like, that's the thing, you know, like, and I, I think it applies for Jokic, too, is, like, neither of those guys, like, I, I feel like, you know, I, I think I said this last time about Jokic as well, but I don't really feel like either of those guys are, like, doing you know like trying to really like juice their point totals i think in the regular season you see the nuggets on a lot more like just getting everyone involved you know running mm-hmm. around screens you know getting guys shots off ball like they had like five or six guys average double digit points this year and you know I, I mean i think their brand of basketball is you know a lot of ball movement a lot of guys just getting open and you know it's not like the kind of thing where it's like you know Houston, for example, where, you know, it's like James Harden does everything and then Westbrook yeah. does everything. It's, you know, and, you know, that's just the, also like the kind of player that Jokic is, you know, Jokic is a very good passer. He loves to pass, you know, and it's weird to say because they're like, like, you know, you, you say like, you know, Jokic loves to pass, he's a great passer, he's a very willing passer, you know, sometimes he's a little too passive, you could say that about Jokic, but some of the shots he takes look like really bad shots, but because it's Jokic, it just doesn't matter because he makes them. Yeah. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, the guy in the face and, you know, just putting up a jumper that he doesn't really jump much on or just like the little hook. 
but yeah, yeah. Jokic, Jokic is just such a weird player, but I love him. Another person I wanted to shout out was Dwight Howard. He played out of his mind yesterday. In the first quarter, I think he had eight points and eight rebounds. And yeah. Anthony Davis doesn't even have to rebound anymore when he's on the court. Right. And, you know, Dwight has been really annoying this series. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, like we, we've all seen what he's been doing. But, you know, he definitely had a great game last night. He, you know, anyway, he does this thing. Like, you know, he's kind of buying into his role which is great to see because, you know, for years we always wanted to see Dwight buy into the role, and he never yeah. really started to do that. But, you know, he finally adapted, and it's great to see because, you know, we love seeing Dwight in the NBA, and he's being really effective for the Lakers. Another person, Rajon Rondo, he's stepping up. He's doing exactly what they need him to do. Playoff Rondo, man. It's yeah, a real thing. He is back. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know what it is about Rondo, man. He just – like in the playoffs, he just becomes a different person. Yeah, just turns back into a Boston Celtic Rondo. Even dude, like Rondo has been like knocking down a couple jumpers this series too, yeah. man. Like he's just someone else. He's passed some legends on the all-time playoff assist record Kobe. as well. So, yeah, that's just a great look for the Lakers right now. But at the same time, the Nuggets have been in this position a couple times, so. I don't think it's happening again. I don't, um, because if there's one thing that I've learned about the, like, you know, about me personally and, like, being your friend is that every time I tend to bet against LeBron, I am wrong. Yep, that's how like, it works. I, in, you know, 2016, I remember, I was in, like, middle school, and I made a bet on the finals, and LeBron won after coming back down 3-1. That was when I decided I'm not betting on NBA finals anymore. <laughs> You know, because that shit sucked, man. I thought I was going to get my money, and then I had to lose my money, and it wasn't cool. Um, But I I tend, you know, I kind of learned at that point, like, you know, I'm not, like, I don't hate LeBron by any means, but, like, you know, there are some times when I just like to see someone else win, you know? So, like, sometimes I tend to root for the other guy. Like, you know, I really would have loved to see Portland win because, you know, that was a cool underdog story. And the same thing with the Nuggets, man. I've been rooting for the Nuggets because they have this great story. You know, it's nothing against LeBron necessarily, but, like, I kind of want to see someone else, like, win. You know, I'd like to see, like, other people in the finals. As a LeBron fan, it was almost refreshing last year to see a – I didn't like seeing the Warriors in the finals, but to see somebody beat them. Like, right. instead of the same tired matchup where we all know the outcome. And one thing I wanted to say was – as a Cavs fan and as an Indians fan, I know both sides of 3-1. And yeah. I understand 3-1 is not the end of the series by any means. Especially not anymore, dude. Especially in the bubble. Yeah. Like, there's no such thing as momentum in the bubble. Like, you can just – and the Nuggets, the way they work, in the third quarter, they turn into, like, Game 7 NBA Finals. Yeah. I don't understand. They They're have the some of the, of the biggest Celtics. comebacks. If the Nuggets had Will Barton for the playoffs, do you think that this series or any other series goes differently, like in mm-hmm. terms of outcome? No, that's an interesting point. I actually forgot about Will Barton. So you you lose a starter in Will Barton who's giving you like 15, 6, and 4. He had a phenomenal yeah. year, and, you know, he's a great shooter. He's shooting 37.5%, five threes a game. Like, that's a valuable guy for spacing. He was hitting shots from everywhere. He really had just a fantastic year. And, you know, it sucks that he hurt his knee because 
you know, I think that we all would have loved to see some Will Barton in the playoffs because he, you know, Will Barton is like the kind of guy where like he likes has some like really just like out of nowhere highlights. Like, yeah, you see him play and you don't like expect him to like, yeah, he, he kind of looks like the kind of guy that just like shoots and takes off the dribble and then he'll just like randomly rise up for a monster dunk out of nowhere and like he'll like get like like some of those like crazy steals where he's like falling on the floor and stuff. Now that's a that's a point that's a really good point that I never even considered. I think this game at least goes to six with Will Barton. Or this series at least goes to six with Will Barton. But you never know. The Nuggets have come back, so it's not over. I just think it is. Well, my thing is like I think Will Barton's here. Michael Porter probably doesn't play as much. And I don't like me personally, like he's been their third leading scorer in the playoffs, but I don't necessarily know if he's like had like a phenomenal impact like that because I think mm-hmm. that he yeah, he's like a, he's basically a rookie right yeah and I just don't he doesn't like give me the impression of him being a very smart player at like a lot of the time I think he makes a lot of mistakes mentally um especially with like the goaltends he's had yeah. a couple of those in this series and you know defensively we've seen him defensively but, it kind of gives me Kyle Kuzma vibe. I mean, like, I don't know. I think that I think that MPJ is very talented. I think that he is a natural talent. I think that I think he's fully capable of averaging 20 points a game pretty soon in the NBA. I don't think I'd say the same thing about Kuzma, but I think that mentally uh I don't think his game is as strong. I think that you know, I again, I think he's very, very prone to mistake. And again, he's a rookie, which, you know, rookies learn, but he's been playing some pretty big minutes in the playoffs. So I I don't know, because, you know, there are times when, like, he'll just get absolutely exposed defensively, but then there are also other times when, like, him being a freakishly athletic six foot ten guy kind of helps him out defensively. Where, yeah. you know, he'll be able to, like, get into the lane or he'll, like, get a good contest on a shot on the help defense and stuff. So, I don't know. It's like a toss-up for me. I don't really know if I I'm leaning heavily either way. It was just kind of like something to talk about. Definitely. Um, I know we can talk about this series for a couple hours, but we got to get to the other side of the NBA. Eastern Conference Finals, we got Celtics and Heat. Heat are up 3-1 right now. You know, we we talked about this series last week, you know, and it, I think that I, I think that I was kind of at a crossroads with like how I expected the series to go. Because, you know, I believe I said that the Heat have the best player, but the Celtics have the best scorer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that, you know, Miami Miami is set up really well in the sense that, you know, they, they are able to have guys have phenomenal games even if you don't expect them to. Like, the Celtics are kind of similar in the sense that they have a lot of guys who can go off, but you kind of, like, you know that, like, who's capable of doing that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, those are the guys you're going to focus on. But Miami just has so many amazing shooters that, you know, you don't really know, like, who's going to give you problems tonight, whether it's Duncan, Hero. Jay Crowder has been phenomenal. Bam's had some incredible games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jimmy and Boron and Iggy hasn't really played much. But, you know, I might be jumping the gun here, but. This series for the Lakers against the Heat would scare me if I'm not late. Only because, like you're talking about, you don't know if you're going to get 30 from Tyler Hero. 
You don't know if you're going to get 30 from Jimmy. You don't know if you're going to get 30 from Dragic. Like, you cannot game plan against this team because, okay, I'm going to stop Jimmy this game. Duncan Robinson's just going to hit 11 threes on you just randomly. Like, you don't know what to do. And defensively, who do they not match up with? To speak to that, you know, it's tough because, you know, typically your best player is your best scorer, right? That's just like how it works the majority of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's not the case with Miami. In this series, Jimmy Butler is the fourth leading scorer for the for Miami. That's but he's crazy. the best player. So, you know, it's t- it's a tough defensive assignment for, you know, Brad Stevens or, you know, um, Frank Vogel if they win the series or Mike Malone. Because, you know, how do you, how do you game plan for that? Because every game it's somebody else doing something great. Yeah. So it's tough, you know, because you just start out with, you know, your game plan being focused on Jimmy and then, you know, Goran Dragic hits three straight threes or, you know, does his like little floaters and Euro steps or, you know, maybe Tyler Harrow's coming out, the gun just banging threes and Duncan Robinson's running around screens getting open or, you know, you're giving bam easy rolls. Like it's a tough thing to plan for because you never know who's going to kill you on that night. So is this series being three, one in the heat's favor more saying more about the Heat being an amazing team or about the Celtics not being nearly as good? Um, I, I think it says more about the Heat. Um, I don't know. Like, the, the thing with Boston, right, is they, right, like, you, you break it down for them, okay? You have Jason Tatum, who is one of the best shot creators and shot makers in the league, but mm-hmm. he's not that good of a passer. Like, this series, he's been, you know, okay. As, he's been fine as a passer. But, you know, he's not, like, a playmaker like that. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't really get guys open. I think in the past he's especially struggled with just, you know, when the defense is locked in on him, just getting the ball to someone else in a good spot rather than just getting rid of it. Um, right. I think that Jalen Brown has in the playoffs, like, not even just this series, but in the playoffs in general, I think he's really been asked to, like, do do things that I don't think he's capable of consistently. Like, I think he's had to – Try to do a lot more off the dribble than he's capable of. And Jalen Brown is a good shot maker, but I don't think that he's uh, a shot creator like that. I don't think that, you know, his handle from when he entered the league to now is exponentially better, but I still don't think it's enough to beat NBA defenses off the dribble and be able to get to your spots and make shots and do all that. And, you know, Kemba, Kemba's Kemba, right? He, you know, He's kind of – he'll give you buckets, but he's kind of inconsistent. You know, sometimes yeah. the height kind of catches up to him. And he's not all that as a playmaker, right? Like, he, he's fine for a starting point guard, you know, but he's not like I, – actually, I shouldn't say it. He's fine for a starting point guard who gives you 20 a night, right? But mm-hmm. he's not like – he's not making, like, super advanced reads, and he's not like – you know, he's not consistently dropping, like, eight or nine assists on you. And – you know, then there's Marcus Smart, who's a solid passer, but he he's not as much of a scoring threat, and that really limits you as a passer, especially in the NBA. That if you you know if you're not a major threat with the ball, then it's harder for you to get lanes to pass to, right? Right. That's just how it works. So you know, I, I think that a lot of it is just like Miami has defended them really well, and Miami knows that. Boston is, you know, they're going to make mistakes. They, and, you know, a lot of their guys are young, you know, Tatum, Jalen, they're, they're young. 
Marcus Smart is still only 25 somehow. Um, and, you know, they're, they're going to make mistakes. Grant Williams, not, not so much in this series, has been asked to do a lot. But, you know, in the previous series, we saw Grant Williams be pretty big for them. So if he can, you know, get some time off the bench, then he's also another guy who's going to make mistakes. We know what Time Lord is um, mm-hmm. mentally. But, you know, I, I think that Miami is doing a great job at forcing the Celtics to make mistakes and then capitalizing on them. And another person that the Celtics got back like midway in the series is Gordon Hayward. And well, speaking on him, there was a report that came out. I believe his son has already been born, but he was not going to leave the bubble for the birth of his child under any circumstances. And that's that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Pause. Because there are certain things that are bigger than basketball. And like he doesn't make that big of a difference in my opinion i'm not the biggest gordon hayward fan if you can't tell but i feel like the birth of your kid might be a little bit important compared to a couple playoff games you'll miss what are your thoughts on that i mean you know i think that in the regular season gordon hayward was fantastic i think that you know that's probably one of his two best seasons that he just put up even though it wasn't like a full season but um i think that you know, I don't think that in the games he's played, he has looked like ready or all that healthy. I don't think yeah. he's been like, I don't think he's really made that much of a positive impact on the games. And I feel like you can kind of see like he, he doesn't look like 100% Gordon Hayward. And, you know, like it, it's his decision. Obviously, I'm not in his life. I don't know like where his mind really is. But, right. you know, I, I think that. If he wasn't 100%, I don't know if I would have made the same decision. And, you know, I'm not I'm not really out here trying to bash anybody or anything. But, you know, it's he's a different person than I am, I guess. And, you know, I, I respect him wanting to, you know, do everything for his team and, you know, for, for his job. But uh, he just I – don't, I don't know under the circumstances if he really was ready to even play. I think it's one of those scenarios where you look at, like, with the same team, Isaiah Thomas being unhealthy and still playing, you risk so much. So like a Durant in the finals, like if he would have never came back because he thought his team was going to lose, he probably would be in Brooklyn right now and they would be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like there's no, I don't see the good in you, especially if you aren't a Durant or Isaiah Thomas for that old Celtics team. He's not making in the playoffs recent games he's not making a big difference so all i'm saying and i'm not trying to judge him for his choices but there's priorities and that one family in my opinion the way it ranks in my life is the most important but i'm also not getting paid millions to do my job so maybe that, that is also true i'm not getting paid nearly as much so maybe family wouldn't be as important to me if i'm making millions i don't know but congrats on the son it's a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. Everything as well. Uh, moving on. We got Speaking this. of kids, uh, there was a report that Colin Sexton was looking monstrous and huge. <laughs> you got to pause that. Absolutely. <laughs> don't, don't describe. If I get stronger and somebody says you are looking monstrous and huge, <laughs> like just say I'm looking defined or something. Like I put on muscle like you don't have to do all that there's a cavaliers team source too dude. yeah you know he was sitting there looking at him and he's like wow 
Colin is looking just monstrous right he now. He had to, like, send a text message to somebody to get that report out. Like, <laughs> Colin looking monstrous. And speaking of Mr. Monstrous, that's crazy, by the way. Uh, <laughs> speaking of him, I saw this trade that um, non-Cavs fans were kind of getting at Cavs fans for their replies. You guys are batshit crazy. See, I'm with the Cavs fans, but well, because you are one, and you absolutely, guys, you know, all you guys know is get LeBron. Well, this trade offer was between the Cavs and 76ers, and it was Ben Simmons for Jetty Osmond, Colin Sexton, and the fifth pick. I we're not here to talk trade. about. We're not here to talk about if the Sixers do it. I don't think the Sixers do. I think the Sixers no. have the bone block the the Cavs number, but. I don't see why you would not take that trade. You are trading for Ben Simmons, okay, who just made the All-NBA third team. Okay. He also did, – did he make All-Defense this year? I'm actually not too sure. Uh, yeah, he did. He, he made All-Defense this year. I, I think that if he played more, he should have been in the defensive player of the year conversation personally. I think he was one of the best defensive players in the league this year, but he had the, the knee thing. Dude, like you're trading for Ben Simmons, who is 24 years old, and you have contract control of him until 2025. Okay. I think replace Sexton with Darius Garland, Larry Nance Jr., and let's throw in another pick. And you do that. And not only do the Sixers block you, (laughs) they send a bag of rancid elephant shit to your (laughs) office because that is basically what you just offered them no but let me tell you why i don't like this trade i actually didn't even consider the contract part like he is under contract and you know the Cavs are going eventually when kevin love expires in 2050 they're gonna have (laughs) some cap space but we all know as Cavs fans if it's not lebron james we're not getting a big name free agent so Having that money tied up to somebody good or great like Ben Simmons would be, you know, preferred. But Ben Simmons, like you said, oh, yeah, he would have been a defensive player of the year if it wasn't for that knee thing. Well, that knee thing is the reason I don't want this trade. If you're going to have a major injury every single year I have you, what's the point? He had a major injury every single year, dude. He He, missed his rookie year. He had that freak foot injury, okay? And then... The next two years, he missed a total of four games. Recently, I mean. He had one knee surgery. I don't think that, I don't think a knee surgery is just a minor, oh yeah, just a knee surgery. Like, for somebody who plays like him. You're making Derek Rose. No, 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 no. Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say he is just, oh, every game he plays, he's hurt. I'm not trying to say that. All I'm saying is, is the risk is high as the reward. And I think the risk is even higher than the reward. Knowing Cavs luck, he would get here first couple games. We're thinking MVP, pushing him like LeBron, got the banner up and everything. Gets the playoffs, first round, out. Simple as that. And I think Sexton, and it's something I, I'm not a betting man, but I put money on. Sexton is an all-star next year. Book no, he's not. He is not. I think no. Sexton has a SGA year like he had for the Thunder. No. Because SGA is, like, good. 
Saxton is good. Saxton is fantastic. Towards the end of the season, he actually showed that after the All-Star break. End-game stretch. I'm just saying. He Saxton, had a linsanity amount of time to show you he was good. I would literally put money on that. You want to put money on that? I can put from $2 to 2000 I will put on that. Let's, let's, put, uh, let's put 20 bucks on it. Okay, 20. Sexton's All-Star. Bet. That's We're easy doing a one. virtual handshake right now. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I cannot wait to get four $5 cravings boxes from Taco Bell with that money. <laughs> That that's gonna be great. I'm gonna send you pictures of every single one too. I'm putting that twenty in my PayPal. I'm saving it for a rainy day. So after we talked about my team and their uh fake dealings, let's talk about yours. There's no mention reports. no mention of Chetty Osman, huh? Well, eh, like he could stay in there. Y'all I don't I'm, care. I'm I'm replacing him with like Dylan Windler. Like it's not he's not somebody that's the future of my franchise. I don't even I wouldn't even be surprised if he's not here for the next like two years. We also stand Dylan Windler on this podcast. Oh yeah. For those who don't know. And that's rookie of the year. <laughs> rookie of the year, Dylan Windler. <laughs> but we gotta move on to your team. There's been some reports about Montrez Harold. The teams expected to show interest in Montrez are the Mavs, Knicks, Raptors, and Bulls. I think he makes sense for the Mavs. Absolutely. I don't know if he makes sense for the other teams. I do not want that man in a Knicks jersey. No disrespect to him. I think he's a fine player. I just don't think he has a spot on the team because we have Mitchell Robinson and Kenny Wooten. And Kenny Wooten is going to come out next year and become an all-rookie team player because hmm. um, he is fantastic. And he also, um, <clears throat> he also like, shits on Twitter trolls. So we have no choice but to stand. But also, Montrez Harrell is not a good defensive player. He's going to want a lot of money, and he's going to take up Mitchell Robinson's minutes. And Mitchell Robinson is working with Kenny Payne and Johnny Bryant. We're going to develop that man into the Admiral. So... So this this situation is pretty interesting for me because I feel like Montrez probably won't go back to the Clippers. During the regular season, there was like talks about contract extensions and nothing came of it. I think the way it ended probably left like a sour taste in his mouth. So I think why PG would, too. Yeah. So why would you really want to go back to that? I think the Clippers are going to be a team that like, we're going to have a 30 for 30 on years that years down the line. And we go, why didn't they win a championship? But, um, you could say the anyway. same thing about the Clippers of six years ago as well. Yeah. They're just but, like, just cursed. cursed. But <clears throat> with Montrez, I yep. think if we're talking about the old Knicks front office, I think they're bringing in Montrez. They're bringing in Christian Wood. They're bringing in John Henson. They're bringing God, in- I want Christian Wood so badly. <laughs> Oh, I would love that. But I don't think he goes to the Knicks unless they just offer him some insane amount of money. Uh, the Bulls would be interesting. I kind of was believing in Wendell Carter a little bit until recently. Um, why, why do you no longer believe in Wendell? Well, I know it's not that I no longer believe in him, but I was expecting like starter, starting center 
potential for like a good team. And I thought the Bulls were going to be much better than they were. Even though they just like barely missed, I feel like they should have been invited to the bubble instead of the Wizards. But you know how they just wanted to get Zion in there, so they just took Yeah. Them. But anyway, I'm no, sorry. I mean, like, rant. no, it's okay. I mean, the thing with Wendell is like the health, right? Like, yeah. he's played 40 games in each of his last two seasons. But I think that if he can be healthy, I think he's a really good player. I think he makes an impact beyond the box score and all that. I also think that the Cavs should express interest in Montrezl Harrell and run that old big man lineup with uh, Ham, Drummond, you know, Nance, Love. We can H. literally put out – because we signed Jordan Bell. That's something I forgot about. Oh, yeah, you did sign Jordan Bell. That's correct. We got Larry Nance, Jordan Bell, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond. If we re-sign Tristan, like, we have way too many. Like, we're the Knicks of last offseason. Just with better players. Um, the, Knicks, so, the Knicks signed versatile players who could play multiple positions. You have straight-up big men. Well, I wouldn't call Kevin Love or Larry Nance a straight-up big man. I would call Larry Nance a straight-up big man. I, I don't know. He's kind of expanded his range. Like, you might regret leaving him out there. I will never regret leaving Larry Nance Jr. open out there. Drummond hit a couple threes in his couple games with the Cavs, too. He had a couple threes in Detroit, too. That doesn't make him a good shooter. Drummond also hit a couple hook shots in Detroit, too. That doesn't make him a good post-up player. Drummond is a 20-20 and 20 guy. That's all we need from him. That's all it's he's going to give you. the ugliest 20-20 20 20 you will ever it's watch It's going to life. be very ugly, but it's going to be 20-20. 20 20. Like will Westbrook actually gag on each 20. Westbrook triple-doubled his way to an MVP. It was ugly, but... We care about how the stats look. Yeah, I can't wait for him to get that, that MVP rocking a, a 2020 season on a 19-win team. Nah, I'm not saying he's getting MVP. I'm just comparing. <laughs> I, I think it'll be really exquisite to see Andre Drummond with his 2020 season on a team that wins 20% of their games. I think if Westbrook got that MVP, Harden should have received every single one after that. If we're talking about just how stats look on paper, not team wins, not team success, not team play, none of that, Harden statistically deserved all those MVPs after that. I had a conversation about this um, the other day. Um, was, I believe it was Wednesday. Um we were talking about James Harden, and I I think that Harden should be a four-time MVP right now, personally. Uh, I think he should have won in 15, 17, and 19. Um, and I think, I think that especially with 15 and, um, and 17, I think that, I, you know, it, it sucks that, like, for Harden, because Harden is one of the greatest regular season players we've ever seen, and... You know, contrary to popular belief, Harden is fantastic in the playoffs as well. But, hmm. um, no, you're literally lying to yourself if you think that James Harden has not been great in the playoffs. Fantastic? He has been fantastic. I'll take your word for it. You know, it, it sucks because with Harden and the MVPs, the goalposts move so much. Because, you know, James Harden has finished top three in MVPs, uh, three times or four times that he hasn't won it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it sucks because with 2015, they gave it to Steph who put up worse stats, but, you know, 
won more games. Yeah. But then the same concept didn't apply in 2017 when Harden put up better stats and Westbrook won it. And then in 2019, Harden lost it because of the record once again. Mm-hmm. And it, it just stinks to see, you know, because this is a guy who I think more than any player we've seen um, in since like LeBron in Cleveland the first time just puts the team on the back and just yeah. wills his way to wins. I think that, you know, and, and yeah, I could, you could even argue that he might do that better than LeBron um, in the last couple of seasons because, you know, just his scoring load is incredible. And he doesn't like, he's not a guy who really sits out many games. He regularly plays like, you know, high seventies in games or, yeah. you know, his first few, or, you know, he had a couple of years in Houston where he played 81, 82 games, like three years straight, he played 81 plus games. And, you know, he's been, I think he only missed like three or so games this year. Mm-hmm. He's so durable, but he, he gets so worn out come playoff time, especially with how much more the defense is focusing on him. And I don't think that, I feel like Houston has done a solid job with roster construction to a point. I feel like the role players that they've been putting on Harden have been the right guys, right? Like Daniel House and Eric Gordon and Robert Covington, Ben McLaurin. I think these guys are all fantastic fits around Harden. But CP3 didn't work out. That was like, you know, a lot of like injuries and clash of personalities more than basketball. But Westbrook has not worked out and you know when they first got Westbrook I think we all kind of had a similar reaction of like yo this is going to be dope like it's going to be cool to see these two playing together again but it's going to be a nightmare most likely like I think we all kind of had that fear like it's just not going to fit like you know neither of them are really going to be adapting like that and it's going to it's going to hurt them and I I think we saw that um you know if, if I had to sit through so many Westbrook just pull up mid range jumpers that climb yeah. up in front of the rim, and it's just it's it's frustrating to see him do the same thing so often, especially in the playoffs. I swear that he took just so many just those like one dribble pull up mid rangers when the defense leaves him open that just clank up in front of the rim. See, I never understood where the confidence to take those shots came from. Right, and so, like, you know, the thing with Westbrook, right, is Westbrook knows that any given night he's one of the best players on the floor. But I think the rationale for, like, the mid-range shots in particular was that they were leaving him open for jumpers, but he knew they were going to collapse in the paint and make it really tough for him to score in the paint. And so, you know, given that, it typically would be a good shot to take if you can make the shot. Mm -hmm. And I don't... Westbrook has not been making the shots for his entire career, pretty much. That's the argument I had about the uh, MVP. We kind of gave him, like, we felt sorry for him after Durant left them. You're taking this horrible team and averaging a triple-double, even though you're literally, every time he passed in the ball, it was getting any shot up. It didn't matter if they were contested no, or not. it did not matter. They're and, letting all these rebounds fly his way. Mm, Steven Adams is just looking the ball off. Yeah. So it was more of like a sympathetic, like, oh, here's your MVP for what you had to go through. So because on paper, you look at a triple-double and we go, oh, wow, that's amazing. He had a great game. 
Westbrook was like the person who single-handedly took the umph out of a triple-double. Yeah, like, it, triple-doubles now like are so common. Yeah, like you look like you had a fantastic game 20 years ago. Now you have a triple-double, and yeah, that, that's just what you did. Yeah, that's cool. Like, you know, Alfred Payton, Tyler Hero's um, idol, <laughs> you know, last year he had that one – Triple double streak. He triple doubles in like six straight games, and he won two of them. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's just triple doubles are like practically meaningless at this point. Like they're just like whatever now. It's you know, it's like oh, you got a triple double, okay? Like yeah, they're they're a lot less meaningful now than they were five years ago. Absolutely, and we can thank Westbrook for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it might be time to wrap up the show. We had no intentions on talking about Westbrook and the Rockets and the Thunder and MVPs and things like that. But you never know what you're going to get on the Putback Podcast. This was episode two. I'm your host, BakeDizzle101. You can find me on Twitter at BakeDizzle101. That's B-A-K-E-D-I-Z-Z-L-E-101. All links to my other social medias are up there as well. Listen into Combat Companions, my other podcast with my girl MC on all streaming platforms, wherever you find podcasts, it's also there. Make sure you rate, like, subscribe, this put back podcast on any platform. Got anything you want to say? Thank you all for listening. I hope you have a happy weekend. Happy Yom Kippur to those celebrating. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at IsoJoNYK. I also don't think I uh, did my daily Monte Morris loving. So uh, shout out Monte Morris. We love Monte Definitely. Morris. But uh, yeah, just have a nice one. Readings and downloads are greatly appreciated. We see all the stuff. We see all the love. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we're out. Actually, I wanted to give a shout out to Minesweeper99 on Apple Absolutely. Podcasts. He left a, a five-star review and rating. His comment was, this podcast is a culmination of the remainder of good in our society. I'm glad I was able to live long enough to experience such a thrill that is listening to the Putback Podcast. Highly recommended. A podcast with a nice balance of flavor. You have the Salty Joe as a Knicks fan and the Spicy Clevelander Baked Dizzle 101. You just can't go wrong here. That is a crazy comment right there. That was kind of wild, but greatly appreciated. We appreciate the stars, everyone. Definitely. I've never been called a Spicy Clevelander, especially because I'm not from Cleveland, but... I appreciate it regardless. Definitely been called salty. So, <laughs> all right, episode two, we out.